Welcome to the No Wasted Days podcast. I'm Blaine Marion. And I'm Courtney Marion. And on this podcast, we dive deep into the unconventional ways we got sober. And how we continue to stay sober. So, welcome to episode 6 of the No Wasted Days podcast. Uh, if you're new here and haven't uh, heard us before, I'm Blaine Marion. And I'm Courtney Marion. And uh, yeah, we just have a podcast that we talk about our uh, sober journey and uh, what we're doing. And uh, yeah, so this is episode six. And uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about triggers. Oh boy, this should be a juicy one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right now, as of today, I am 781 days sober, which is uh, just over two years. And uh, I just got triggered the other day and uh, just kind of came out of nowhere. Didn't uh, expect it. And uh, so we want to talk about that. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so you're what? So you're 781, so I'd be 788 because I'm about a week ahead of you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we went for a little venture the other day. We had to go to a city called Grand Prairie to uh, check out some uh, filming equipment um, and go visit uh, some family members. And it was kind of interesting because it's a place that when we were younger and when we were in active addiction, we used to spend a lot of time uh, crawling around the bars and uh, getting ourselves into trouble. So yeah, I uh, yeah, I'll let you kind of drive on that one. Yeah, so we uh, we went to Grand Prairie, and uh, you know we just wanted to get away for uh, it wasn't the weekend, but we'll call it the weekend. <laughs> uh, so we got away. We got a hotel room, and we stayed at a hotel that when we were still in active addiction that we stayed in before, and then uh, we did some shopping and stuff, and then we went out for dinner. And we went to a restaurant that we went to before as well. So it was kind of just like, you know, been there, done that, you know, stayed in that hotel and got pissed. And that, I think at the time I remember because we had a, we had a jacuzzi tub and I remember just for some reason spraying champagne all over the place. Uh, we were also fucking shotgunning Twisted Tea. Oh no, I'm sorry. Amer- we were shotgunning American Vintages in the bathtub as well. I actually had a video on my Instagram from forever ago that I ended up deleting and it's exactly from that night. Um, yeah, and again, like we always bring our dog. So when you bring your dog, you can only stay at a couple different hotels. So I guess me not even thinking, like I never really shopped around when I booked the hotel or anything. I was just like, oh, the Dolan will let you bring your dog. So fair enough. That's how we ended up in the same hotel. We used to get shit-faced in frequently enough. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? And then uh, we went. To, we wanted to go out for dinner to a nice restaurant. So we went out to the uh, the sawmill. It's kind of a steakhouse, sort of. But <laughs> we. what my original plan was is one side is a, a steakhouse, and then there's kind of a bar lounge on the other side. And uh, it was a Monday night we went out, and it was kind of close to closing time. And the steakhouse ended up being closed, so we had to go to the to the bar side. And it's the same bar that we sat at maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the same table. Yeah, corner. Yeah, that booth is the ones we usually tend to go for. Yeah, and it was just, it was weird. It was awkward. I didn't really want to be there. Well, and I honestly, like, I kind of felt unwelcome to be there at first because she, like, for some reason, their hours were wrong. It was supposed to be open until 10, but it was only open till 9. So as soon as we got there, we got there at, like, 10 after 8. The waitress, who was, like, I'm sure her second job was a stripper. Like, she was, <laughs> we're like, no, 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 like, not in an offensive way or anything. She's absolutely beautiful. But, like, I could tell she was, like, I want you fuckers out of here by 9 because I got to go strip at fucking 10.30. Like, she, you know, yeah. she had that... She was gorgeous. Um, she was. She was. Yeah. But I'm just like, I could tell from the get go. She, cause yeah. like, she's like, hi, how's it going? Just, you know, we're closed at nine. So you need to order now. Like she wasn't fucking around. 
So I think that kind of threw me off too, because I could tell from right off the bat, it was almost like, are we not supposed to be here? Like, I don't know. It just gave me the, the, the oofs feeling. And I find too, even not just that place, but any like bar lounge type restaurant, if you go there and don't order a drink, it's so fucking awkward. Like they are just like, what? Like, oh, you don't, you're not buying a drink. Like they think they're not going to get a tip or something. I don't know yeah, what they, it is. They, do. they treat you a little bit different. They're like, Hey, like what's your, what's your angle here? Like, yeah, you're like, not oh. here to drink. They're, you're here with your wife. So you're not here to look at the, the hot stripper waitress. Like what's your deal, bud? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, or maybe you still are there to look at the hot stripper waitress, <laughs> but they assume, right? Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, geez, like I'm just trying to go for dinner and, you know, have a nice steak and the food was okay, I guess. But, but yeah, the, it's just so weird that old, like, we're like I say we're over two years sober and I feel like I'm very strong in my sober journey and my will to keep going but it's just weird you know you get that trigger and you I remember like when we finished dinner I was kind of like I felt like we had to do something else like I felt like we were supposed to go somewhere else or I don't know like keep the party going kind of feeling and I was like well no I can I can just go to the hotel and go to bed and that's what we ended up doing anyway right and it was weird too because even because we had got there and before we had gone to we'd gone out for dinner I uh used the gym um just to keep keep on my fitness keep on track there and as I left I like came out and there was a whole bunch of workers and they were like and I didn't really say much but they were like kind of chatty and we're kind of like making like comments about like going to the gym and I knew they're kind of like directing them at me and for some reason, it gave me this weird, just like deja vu of like, I don't know, like going to the bar, going to the strip club back in the day when we used to be fucking dirty dill dwellers. If you know the Condell Hotel, we used to be there a lot. And it just gave me like these weird, like, ah, it just kind of like set the tone of just like, it wasn't like, I wasn't uncomfortable, but I was just like, fuck, this just feels so familiar, but not in a good way. And then after that, like I got back to the, the, you know, I got ready or whatever. And we went for dinner. And as soon as that lady was like, hi, blah, 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 blah. Like you need to be out of here by nine. I was just like, oh, like, I don't know. It was just an emotional damage from the get-go. It just felt wrong. It just felt off. Yeah. And uh, the most, the best advice I can give to anybody who's in early sobriety and they get triggered, triggered like that is honestly, and I know it sounds so like weird and cliche a bit, but just go to bed. Right? 100%. Like, go to we went to bed. to bed at like quarter to 10 and I was up at six and in the morning I felt amazing. I took the dog for a walk. We went and did our last little bit of shopping and oh, I just felt so good. And it's, it's so hard because those triggers, as you get more and more sober, the triggers kind of, you get less and less, but you'll still be triggered every once in a while. And I know early sobriety, like, oh man, I was triggered like every day. Every little thing triggered me. And it's funny. It's well, it's not funny. It's one of those things that kind of went hand in hand with sobriety. But we used to we used to love going out. We used to love going having drinks and we're like, oh, we're going for dinner. No, we were actually going to spend two hundred dollars <laughs> and get fucking hammered. And then we're, you know, off to off to the races after that. Um, but I remember in particular, like there's certain places like the brew house. I really don't like going to the brew house anymore just because it triggers all of that shit from when I was in active addiction. I'm just going to say it. The brew house food is absolute garbage. <laughs> and if you're not going there to get drunk, like, why are you going there? Because you're going there to get drunk. It's called the fucking brew house, bro. Like, right? it's, but it, and that's actually funny because speaking of triggers, we were probably, I would say, around three months sober. Um, and we made the terrible decision that we were going to go to the brew house because I think it was, uh, I think it was football or something and we wanted to go check it out. So sure as shit in Fort St. John that we both lived there for a really long time at that point, you know, half the town, like a small town syndrome. 
So within, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of us arriving, fucking somebody sends us over shots because it's Blaine and Courtney and they're always fucking drinking and up to no good and, you know, living their best life or their worst life, whatever way you want to look at it. Yeah. So it's this lady brings over these shots and I'm like, oh, fuck, because I'm already feeling like I don't shouldn't be here. Like, I don't feel right here. I'm not enjoying my time. I just want to eat and go the fuck like anywhere but here. And then this lady, the waitress brings over the shots and I'm like, hey, like, can you like me and Blaine are like, what should we do with these shots? I'm like. Let's just send them back to whoever sent them. Like, I'm not going to waste them, but I'm not going to take them. And it, this is just weird, right? So what happened after we sent them back? Oh, the waitress was like, she was weirded out. She's like, because I was like, oh, we're actually not drinking. Because um, I was like, oh, man, should I just like dump them on the floor? But you're like, like, what no, do you do in not? that situation, right? And we weren't open. Like, we weren't telling people yeah. like, hey, like, we have a problem with alcohol. And we're, you know, we weren't at that point yet. We were super new into the process. Yeah, so I, we ended up, we sent him back to the friend that got him for us, and the waitress was like, the same thing, like, oh, super weirded out that we weren't drinking. Like, oh, she what's actually, wrong with no, you guys? She actually had the audacity. I remember what she said, because I was fucking mad. She was like, uh, just so you know, so-and-so, who I won't say whose name it was, uh, so-and-so was really disappointed that you sent those back. And I literally looked at her, and I just wanted to be like, listen, bitch, I'm a fucking alcoholic. Get out of my fucking face. <laughs> right? If I drink this one shot, like, the fucking... The race is on. Here we go. Right? Like, yeah, and like, I, I'm just going to put it out there. If you're a server or you're whatever, you're, or you're that person that likes to bug the person that says, no, I don't want to drink. I'm just putting it out there. Maybe consider that there's a reason why they said no. And trust me, yeah. you don't need to ask them seven more times throughout the night. I had this conversation yesterday. We had this conversation with a friend. If somebody says no the first time, like, don't keep asking them. Like, don't make it to the point where the fucking person has to get rude with you to get your, for them to get their point across. Yeah, it can be so awkward. I remember going to someone's birthday party and like this lady had this box of jello shots and she's just hounding me. Like, take one, take one. I'm like, no, thank you. And you can only say no thank you so many times. And at about the like fifth or sixth time she asked me to take one, I finally was like, listen, lady, I'm a fucking alcoholic. Like, <laughs> go away from me. Right. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, well, fuck, like, right. just no. If people say no, it's not a big deal. Like Bad, you right? can still fucking drink and have fun if that guy's not. No shit. <laughs> well, it's just it's stuff like that. And I get it. Like we're hundred percent responsible for your own triggers. But if somebody has made a point to say no, then fucking take it as face value and let me and like if they change their mind, lady, they'll come find you. They fucking will every time. <laughs> you can fucking you can set your watch to it. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to touch base on that because if you're ever that in, in that situation and you're the guy pushing the booze on somebody or pushing anything, if they say no. You can leave them alone. Just just leave them alone. Yeah. What do you think your biggest trigger was when you were still in active addiction? Uh, old habits die hard. Yeah. I think like there was, oh, fuck, there is uh, stress, you know, um, just the habit itself of being like, it's the weekend. I should be terrorizing the town and fucking drinking myself stupid and just. Yeah. That was my biggest trigger was Friday night. Always. <laughs> I don't know why. I have no clue. But if I wasn't drinking on Friday night, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm I'm missing a Friday. There's only 52 in a year, and I just <laughs> missed one. Like, damn. Like, Friday was – that's why I released this podcast on Fridays because that was my trigger day. As weird as it sounds to have a trigger day, like, it didn't matter. I'd get drunk on Sunday, but any day of the week. Every day, every day of the liquor, every day the liquor store is open, so what does that tell you? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, yeah. And that's too. Liquor stores were a huge trigger. Even – just driving by them like the first month or two it was like oh man and then 
like a few times that I had to buy alcohol is just for other people or whatever. Yeah. Oh man. It's like, don't ask an alcoholic to buy booze. Absolutely. Like, I, we had, don't. uh, I don't want to say unsupportive person in our life, but somebody who just, I don't think realized how, how bad deep we were in and how we really were like, Hey, like we need to fucking cut ties with this and go straight. Oh yeah, yeah. We had somebody in our life ask us to go to the liquor store and pick them up something. And I literally just came fucking unglued and was just like, how dare you like put the, put this request upon me. And we were like, I don't know, probably less than six months sober for sure. But that's just another thing. Right. And like, and I get it. Maybe they didn't understand. And I think to this day, it's, I think it's starting to kind of hit home now that it's been like two years. But in the early days when people don't quite understand, I feel like they're super easy to like, I don't know, kind of put that temptation out there for you as well. So that is a huge trigger. That's a huge trigger. Like I was such a freaking hermit in early sobriety because 90% of the people I associated with, we associated over drinks, over having a good time over, you know, and if when you're not about that anymore and you're trying to do better and you're constantly have that reminder and have that in your face like it's hard it's a trigger for sure mm-hmm. i got a funny liquor store story <laughs> um there's a liquor store in hudson hope that i used to buy booze from there every once in a while if i was like out here fishing or something before we lived here but i don't have that many memories of that one but they sell duck eggs and chicken <laughs> eggs and i go there all the time to buy eggs so I literally, the only thing I associate that store with is going to get eggs. And I love going in there. The lady's really nice. And I just, oh, go get my eggs there. It's not a liquor store to me. Well, we don't go as, well, you don't go as much anymore because our, our chickens yeah. and ducks are actually laying finally after forever. But like, how awesome is that to have that feeling? Like, mm-hmm. hey, like I associate that with something other than getting shit face drunk and, you know. And the, there's, a, there's actually the craziest thing. Hudson Hope is a very small community. <laughs> And we have two liquor stores. Like, yeah. isn't that insane? Why do we have two liquor stores? Uh, obviously, they're making enough to stay open. Um, during COVID, I was working at a financial. I, well, I, I working at a financial institution, and one of the big owners that owns a lot of the liquor stores in Fort St. John came in there, and he would get his change. And he told me he could not fucking keep the booze on the <laughs> shelf. He said every day is fucking yeah. Friday. Like when everybody was working, they're all getting their serve payments, all that bullshit. Said every day is Friday. I cannot keep the liquor on the shelf. And he owned yeah. the majority of the fucking. I don't know if he still does, but he used to own the majority of the liquor stores in FSJ. Yeah, in Fort St. John, if anybody is a local listener, like, oh my god, I don't even know how many liquor stores there are. I don't know, you can't, <laughs> you can't go more than like a few block. Like sometimes there's a couple in like the same area, right beside like, each other. Jeez, like, man, like we do not need that many. Like on Main Street, there's like that BC government one, and then right up the street is on the rocks, and then like, I guess, well, if your business is booming. But in businesses, that's yeah. just it, right? They're going to make the money. Obviously, they're making the money, or they wouldn't keep them fucking up and going. Yeah. I wonder if they ever feel bad for, uh, probably not. No. Does anybody feel bad with all the corrupt shit going on nowadays? Yeah. Not when they're making mad cheddar. That's my theory anyway. Yeah, not really. So you got any other triggers for uh, that other people might have might have or that you had when you were getting sober? Um, honestly, the f- getting sober, like uh, just being around people that used to drink, like I was a fucking, I had a hard time with it. I didn't start really venturing out till probably over a year in, um, just because like even like certain scenario, like Grand Prairie, like I'm sorry, but Grand Prairie is dead to me. Like <laughs> yeah. I'll go through it and I'll go there once in a while, but like, I don't think I'll ever look at Grand Prairie the same. I'll never look at that hotel the same. And I'm sure it's fucking going to the sawmill anytime soon. I can tell you that. 
but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you have on there? That's one of the biggest ones for me. And I still, I get, I get triggered now, but not for like, not for alcohol. But when I come home from a cap stint, now, like, because when I came home, it was like, even if I was sober for the 30 days in camp or whatever, it's like, okay, now is the big test because now I'm at home and, you know, there's booze everywhere. You can go and get it. But now, even now, like, I still, I get triggered when I come home, not not for alcohol, but I, like I say, said on a previous one, uh, uh, previous podcast, like, we got Macaroni Meadows, we got The Farm, we got our videos, we got the podcast. So I get triggered when I come home, like I should be go, go, go. I need to do all this stuff because I've been working at camp for 30 days and I just want to do this stuff when I'm home. So that was a huge trigger for me was coming home from camp. And I know a lot of guys in the oil patch are like that. You know, they, I know a few people that they go to camp and they kind of dry, uh, dry out, you know, they go for three weeks and they don't drink and they don't do drugs and all that. And then as soon as they're on their way home, they're kind of, you know, getting ready and once they get home it's boom done they kind of use camp as a rehab almost and but if you're not really doing the work and you're just drying out and not putting in the work to uh actually get sober when you get home then you, you don't have anything to rely on so you're just going to fall back in old habits and i think that's what happens well in idle hands right they say it idle hands are the devil's playground it's sobriety is a lot easier when you have shit to do so when you're working and you're in camp and shit, like your mind's occupied, you got shit to do. And you can, even on your downtime, I'm sure you're making plans. Well, I know you are making plans for what you're going to do when you get home, what we're going to do for our podcast, what we're doing with our filming and stuff. But if you don't have that, like, say you don't, you just come home and it's just you. Yeah. Like that's to me a fucking recipe for, cause you have no obligation. The only obligations you have is to yourself and you've just worked for how many days? Like you want to relax, you want to take the edge off. Like, I feel like that would be such a trigger. Yeah. And that is a good way to, uh, that's a good way to deal with that trigger is like you say, like make plans for when you go home, write it down. Like I, I have notebooks all over the place. <laughs> I got like, I got one right here and I just, I write ideas in them and stuff I want to do. And there's a chore list. And then when I get home, I have all these lists. And I'm like, Holy hell, I got to try to put them all together. And there you go. You got tons of stuff to do. And we do a calendar. So every day yeah. is accounted for. We know what we're, we know what we're having for dinner and we know what we're up to that day. And that just keeps you organized. Right. Yeah, I find for me, I have some pretty hefty goals right now. So I find by scheduling pretty much every day that I can, I accomplish more by doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's, you don't have to sit there and think, oh, what am I doing today? It's like, oh, look at the calendar. And like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go. Well, and I also find too, like, cause we had a couple days where we didn't really have much on the calendar. I found like they were such lazy days that I like, mm -hmm. I could have done so much more with. So, I mean, it's nice to have that. It's nice to stay busy and it's nice to feel, it's nice to feel like you have things on the go because then you don't want to just sink back in your fucking little hidey hole there and get drunk. Like, no, I got shit to do. Mm -hmm. That was a big, like huge thing. Even now, like I got shit to do. I got better shit to do than sit around, get drunk, and be hungover. Yeah. And that's uh, another thing I kind of just want to touch on is the amount of time you have when you stop uh, whatever your, your addictions, when you start feeling good, like you have so much time and you can accomplish so much, like unbelievably amounts of stuff. Just even today, it's right now, what is it? Today is, it's 5 p.m. right now. And today we got up at like 
Well, I was up at like five. Yeah, no, you were up at four thirty. You woke everybody else up, and then yeah. everybody was like, "Ah, everybody else." Me and the animals up, and then you fell back asleep, you bastard. I know, but <laughs> I got up early. I read a couple chapters. I did some journaling. We went out, took the dogs to the lake. We went down a road. We uh, filmed a macaroni meadows video. I cleaned out the chicken coop. Worked out. Worked we out. Both worked out. Did our separate workouts. Went for a walk around town. I went and shot my gun. We did a, yeah, we yeah, went, target I went practice. target practice for a little bit. Like this is all in one day and then we're recording a podcast. And at seven o'clock we have a crystal sale that I'm totally going to. Yeah, we have a crystal <laughs> sale at seven. And tonight for supper we're having uh, beef tenderloin on the Traeger with some like potatoes and veggies. Like today was amazing. What, and today is what, Saturday? Saturday, yep. Like, if back in the day, if we would have got drunk Friday, I guarantee I wouldn't have done anything today. I would still be dry heaving at this point. Yeah, 5 p.m., I'd maybe start thinking about food. Right, after like, you <laughs> like, oh my Absolutely God. started to feel half human again, not even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just crazy. The amount you can get accomplished is unbelievable. It really is. You have so much time on your hands. And honestly, at the beginning, you have so much time in your hands, you don't know what to do with it. That's right. You need, and you need things to do with it because when you don't, that's exactly what happened is fucking trigger central, right? And yeah. like idle hands, you got that spare time. It's so easy to slink back into those holes, man. You got to stay busy. Yeah. Listen to our past episode on hobbies. That'll, you got to have <laughs> hobbies if you get sober. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's cool though. Like, especially for me, because I've never had hobbies. I didn't like, you could have asked me a couple of years ago, Courtney, what do you like to do? And I'd be like, oh, I like to get drunk and sleep. Like, oh, wow. That's a great fucking pastime there. Court. Those people are so weird. What do you do for fun? I get drunk. That's a <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess we got nothing in common, bud. Yeah, that's a great moral <laughs> compass. And I mean, I get it. I was that person, but like, fuck, am I going to be that person now? I can tell you that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I hope everybody is. Uh, you know, we know, we know a few people that are that are kind of. I don't want to say they're swearing off drinking altogether, but a lot of people are at least toning it down and. Uh, just maybe looking for alternatives to, you know, getting pissed up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it's, I think it's like, I don't, I don't want to take credit or anything, but I think just, just us kind of like sharing our story and like talking about this kind of stuff. Maybe they see a little bit of themselves in the stories and they can see that like, man, like look at these guys. They used to be fucking miserable and now look how happy they are. Well, and healing is contagious, right? That's a big part of it is when you heal, you want to help other people. Like I've had it, like, I know you had too, but I've had a few people reach out to me and ask just like how you got things going and kind of like touching base. When you heal and you feel better, you want the people that you love to feel better. You want them to see that, Hey, like shit, like shit could be a little bit better. Like, and it takes baby steps and you're going to fucking probably fall down and you're going to fucking dust yourself off and you're going to get back up and you're going to, you're going to do it. You're either going to sink or float, sink or, or float. But, you know, you got to try. Mm -hmm. And, I, yeah, I've, you know, I think that once you see other people doing it and you see that they've gone through the shit and they're, they're coming up on the top of the hill and, like, they're doing better, it, I think it's a good inspiration to want to do better because, you know, it can yeah. be done. Yeah, and like I said, I think on a previous episode, too, that, you know, just because you tried to get sober and you fell off the wagon, like, just keep trying. I fell off the wagon for, like, years. Years. <laughs> Years. I used Decades. to get sober for two <laughs> days. I'd get sober for a day and be like, because I, I have the sober app, sober time. I have to reset that damn thing every 24 hours. Like, ah, oh, shit again. Uh, like, just keep trying and eventually something might stick or it might not. It's 
you know, everybody's story is different, but you know, these last two years have been just so amazing. And I, that's why we do this. We want to share a message with people that are struggling and can kind of look at us and be like, Oh, maybe I can do it. Cause I, when I was in addiction, I didn't think I could get sober. I never in a million years, I thought to get sober, you had to go to rehab. You had to go to AA. You yes. had to read the Bible. <laughs> I was going to say you had to read the Bible. I believe in God, but I don't believe in the Bible. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah, like you can you can do it on your own. Well, I'm doing it. And what I don't need a big thing. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. Like a big thing that I want to get out of this, or what I get out of this, is I want other people to know that it's okay. You know, like I felt in the early sobriety, very like hush, hush, like didn't want to let people know what I was up to. Didn't want to let people know how I was feeling. Didn't want to admit that. Yeah. Shit's fucked up and I'm going through some shit. Right. I want people to know that fucking it's okay. Like you're going through shit. We're all going through shit. It's, it's all right. And even if you get fucking three weeks sober and you fall off the wagon, that's still fucking three weeks that you got shit done. Your body's thanking you. Your fucking mental health is thanking you. So yeah, like don't fucking don't give up. And like, yeah, that's, that's a huge thing for me. I just want people to know, like you're not alone. Yeah. I know I felt alone and I fucking hated it. It was one of the hardest parts of early sobriety, but yeah, you're never alone. You're not alone. And guess, and like everybody's people that are getting sober, they've been through it and they'll continue to go through it. So yeah, that's, that's a big thing for me. I just want people to know that they're not alone. Yeah. Even the year that I got sober, remember we tried sober September. I only made it two <laughs> And I almost, and I cried at Montana's. Yeah. I remember yeah. at the fucking, at the restaurant. Cause I wanted a, a what was it? A Moscow mule or something. Yeah. It wasn't even a good drink. Like fuck me. I don't know. They're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but two weeks that I was sober when I got, when I stopped drinking again in December, I thought back to those two weeks and I was like, man, I did feel fucking fantastic. And I was walking the dog and I, I felt great. So I just, it, it ended up helping me eventually when I got sober for, well, for this time, for the real time, I guess I want to say, I don't know. <laughs> for the big show. Yeah. That was the practice show. That was the practice. Yeah. And it was only two weeks, but like, it's hard, especially in the beginning. There's triggers everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. You drive downtown, you know, you see somebody that you drank with. Oh, that's a trigger. you see a place that you drank at well fuck me that's a trigger oh yeah you drive by someone's house oh i'm gonna piss there oh yeah right we used to play that game because we lived in fort st john for so long we used to play that game all the time like yeah i got fucking shit face there i puked there once oh i got shit face fell on stairs there once like yeah we used to play that game oh the place is where i got drunk in fort st john (laughs) i can't even drive by like a an outside skating rink (laughs) (laughs) i remember throwing up in there one time it was terrible I had to walk all the way home too. <laughs> Sucked. I was young. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that's it was kind of honestly Fort St. John is a trigger in itself to me. That's kind of like a big there. reason I wanted to move because I was like, I just can't be in this town anymore. Cause I am just reminded constantly of how stupid I used to be. Right. I wanted to restart, go out and go to a small community that feels more like home where People don't look at you like you're an alcoholic. Well, <laughs> I still am, but I'm recovering. All right. Well, and it's nice. Like, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that fresh start and that, like, ability to reinvent yourself. Like, I love that. I love that I, you know, we kind of came here with a fresh start. We branched out. And I, like, the short t- short amount of time that we've been here, I feel like we've made good connections. And it's nice because these people know us not as 
Blaine and Courtney, the fucking drunks that lived in Matthews Park, they know us like, oh, they have macaroni meadows. They like to film their cute little YouTube. And Courtney likes to buy crystals. And Blaine loves the farmer's market. Like, they know us for these <laughs> reasons. Not like, oh, look at those fucking piss tanks. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm kidding, right? Yeah. Yeah, if, you're, if your living situation is a trigger, I mean, maybe you got to get out of there. I don't know. Just start with a plan. Figure it out. And like, and go and like roll with the punches too. Like it wasn't just a super easy transition. It's not like we just threw the old house up and we moved to Hudson's Hope. Like this was, we had fucking setbacks and house people buying the house and it followed their fucking financing falling through. Like, and it's just, you just had to roll with it. And once you get there, like you'll just be so thankful how shit pans out. Cause everything does pan out the way it should. It's hard to hear sometimes and it comes with fucking heart, its own heartbreak. But yeah, like it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, man. Just stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, that was our uh, episode on triggers. We hope everybody liked it. Uh, it seems like our podcast is doing pretty good. This is our sixth episode. We got quite a few listens and downloads and stuff. So uh, we'll keep popping out content if you guys keep listening. Well, even if you don't, I'm still going to keep talking. I'm still going to keep running my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, we might have a video one with this one. We'll see how it turns out. I'm going to watch it and uh, Give us some feedback or whatever. Leave us some comments. Be kind. We haven't recorded any before. We could be super Yeah, this awkward. is our first video. I keep forgetting, so, so I probably look like a fucking dipshit, but whatever. <laughs> but if there's no video, it didn't look good. So Maybe we'll get video. It was a trigger. Time. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good day. Try to stay sober. Talk to you later.